Appreciate that, Hannah. All right, let's look at Romans chapter 12. You should have a copy of the lesson. We've been going through a series of just some simple thoughts about the church and understanding the church. Tonight's lesson is dealing with maturity. We want to look in Romans chapter 12. The first lesson we did was on the simplicity of the church. Uh, sometimes I think people make the church too complicated. Uh, church is a, a foundation is upon Christ, and uh, he gives us our leadership and direction so that we have the simplicity of the church, and then we looked at the ministry of the church, and then we looked at the unity in the church last week, and so to this week we want to consider the maturity in the church. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And so our, our text verse is going to be verses 6 through 8, now just to give us a starting point in thinking about this matter of uh, maturity. The church is a place where we ought to be growing in our faith. And uh, certainly it's designed so as to teach us and to learn and to be able to grasp the word of God and make a practical application uh, in our personal life. It's within the church that we exercise the talents and gifts that God has given us. And um, uh, chapter 12, we always, seems like everybody always wants to run over to uh, chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 and dealing with uh, surrendering our lives and not being conformed to this world and all this, that, and the other. You understand that he's, as he makes that statement in the context, he's, he literally is laying the groundwork to understand why it's necessary to... Uh, perceive what the will of God is, to conform to the image of Christ, to be transformed from this world. Why is that important? Because God has given gifts to every one of us to use for his glory within the body, within the church of Jesus Christ. The gifts and talents that we have are different from one another. And uh, so oftentimes people get jealous of each other. Sometimes people don't want to be involved in ministry because they see someone else who may be more gifted in an area of ministry than they are. When the reality is, is we all are not the same. We're all individuals. We all have gifts and talents that God has given us. And so notice that he uh, deals with this whole concept of the gifts differing according to the grace 
that is given to us. And so we are to exercise those gifts for the glory of God. Charles Stanley said this, as God's children, we are not to be observers. We're to participate actively in the Lord's work. Spectators sit and watch, but we are called to use our spiritual gifts and serve continually. And uh, that won't take place if there's no maturity. Uh, certainly, if we're not growing in the Lord, we're not going to be desiring to share what we've learned about Christ and what God's doing in our life with others and say, yet God has yet given us uh, spiritual gifts and talents to be used for his glory. So let's go over laying that foundation. Let's go over 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because what we've been doing is just going through the New Testament where church is mentioned we comment on that, and then we go to the next place that it's mentioned. But in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul continues a parallel passage in the Corinthian church, letter to the Corinthian church, uh, dealing with these gifts as he did in the Roman church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, he says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which worketh all and in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge to this, by the same Spirit. And he goes in and describes the different exercises of the, of the gifts that God has given us. Then in verse 28, as you skip down through there, it says, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And so he deals with this whole process of growing and maturing in the church so as to exercise the gift that God has given you. And so the word gift there in verse 4 is just the Greek word charisma. And it literally means favor with which one receives um, without any merit of his own. So if God has gifted us, then it's not something that you've earned. It is not something that you created yourself. Uh, you may have the gift of being able to sing, praise the Lord, that you can do that. Uh, but it certainly is not something that you have gained or uh, committed or developed on your own. God has given you that gift. I know people that are good in administrations. People are, are good in helps. People are good in hospitality. Different people are very talented I'm always amazed in our church when we have different things going on. Ladies in our church that are very gifted in the area of decorations and things like that. I, I could care less if there's a decoration, you know. And uh, the ladies, you know, they're always, oh, Pastor, how about we put these flowers here? I'm like, hey, go for it, you know. I'm not, I'm not gifted in that area. I can tell you that right now. And, uh, but maturity is exercised as we realize the gift that God has given us, and he has given it to us based on his favor to us. Not that we deserve it, uh, not that we're justified in saying we should have it, <clears throat> but rather it's a gift. Just like when we're saved, we're saved uh, by a gift. God saves us by giving to us 
the way of salvation through faith in Christ. And so the gift is a favor uh, which one receives without any merit of his own. Number two there, when you think about the gift, the gift is a gift of divine grace, faith or knowledge. Uh, it's holiness, it's virtue, it's eternal salvation, power enabling one to serve in the church. Whatever you're talking about uh, in any of these realms of understanding or experience, it is by the divine grace of God. It is God giving us what we do not deserve. And I know, and I felt God called me to preach. I always felt that I was not, I was, God made a mistake in calling me. I always felt that God could have got somebody else that could do a better job. And I almost didn't go into ministry arguing with God about this. And I certainly wasn't a great speaker or a good speaker. I couldn't sing. I couldn't do anything. But God called me. And so whatever I can accomplish in the church, it is a gift from God. I can tell you that right now. And it's by his grace, by him extending favor in being willing to use us, if we'll just be willing to say, Lord, here's my life, take it and show me what it is you want me to do. And so when we deal with maturity being exercised in the church, it's recognizing and acknowledging that we are gifted people. And we are gifted people by the divine grace of God. And so if I recognize I'm a gifted person by the grace of God, then there's going to be no room for pride and boasting in my life about anything that I can accomplish or experience as a believer and certainly serving in the church. So first thought, he tells us that there are diversities of gifts. And so whatever gift or talent that you have, uh, then praise the Lord for his blessing in your life. Then in verse 5, he says, and there are diverse differences of administrations, but it's the same Lord. And so the gifts that we receive, the talents or abilities that we receive are from, from the same God that gives different ones administrations or gifts. <coughs> the word administration here is the Greek word diakonai. And it means just literally, that's the word that we get our, our word for deacon uh, if we're in the church. It literally just means service or ministering. And so he's saying there's different ones in the church that have administrations or opportunities to serve or opportunities to minister to someone else. And so uh, whatever the ministry is that you have, uh, realize this, that God has given you that gift with that ability so he created the opportunity for you to be a minister to someone else. Jesus said he came not to be, um, um, to be ministered to, but to minister. And so God has called us to serve one another within the body of Christ. Maturity in the reference to the church is a, an awareness that our life is about nothing else than serving. That's all it's about. We're to serve one another. We're to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the one that is serving here, the diaconi, number two is those in reference to those who execute the commands of others. And so the service that we do is based upon the command of Christ in our life. The service that we do is based upon the commands that we receive in the Word of God. 
And so we have different administrations and different gifts. And I often kidding, <coughs> people ask me, Pastor, what about so-and-so, this so-and-so, whatever it is going on? And I just tell them, that's not my department, amen? And uh, the reality is uh, somebody else is in charge of that. Somebody else is taking care of that. And so God gives instruction, he gives commands, he gives directions on how we can fulfill the administrations that God gives us, the areas of service and ministering to others. So we understand that we have gifts that are given to us by God's grace. We have ministries or service uh, that's given to us by the same Lord who gifts us. And then he says in verse 6, and there are diversities of operations. Uh, the word operations is a word, comes from the root word in the Greek, uh, energio, and it's a word that we get our word energy. And so operations, he's talking about something that has some energy, some direction, some excitement to it. And uh, literally, it means to be at work, having the energy to be at work. Oftentimes, you talk to people and say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm tired today. Well, thank God that he, by his grace, he gives you some energy to be at work for the Lord. And if we'll be willing to do that, what do I do? Put down two things? How about that? Or I went to the next page. Oh, well. You, so we must, he must want me to mention that you need to be at work. <laughs> Amen. And so the word for a Greek, the Greek word there for operations means not just to be at work, but number two, it carries with it the meaning of to be effective. You know, sometimes it's, you, you can just be spinning your wheels and just running in circles. Uh, that's not what he's talking about here. God gifts us with talents and abilities, and he opens up the opportunities where we can minister and serve one another, and he expects us to do it with energy to where we're being effective in impacting other people's lives. And so God gives us different areas to be able to minister like that. Now, um, I'm thankful for the guys that are on the bus ministry. You know, bus ran out tonight to pick up kids, and vans went out tonight to pick up kids. I'm thankful for that. I can't be over there to do that. I'd love to do that. I enjoy the bus ministry. Sunday mornings, I can't go out and drive the bus. But there's others that have the opportunity to be able to work in the work of God and be effective in talking to others and bringing others out to church. And so what gift has God given you? What, what service does God want you to fulfill? And as we mature, as we grow in the Lord, we want to exercise those gifts and talents for God. It does not do much benefit or it does not affect very many people if you're talented and gifted in an area and you don't exercise that talent or that gift. And so I often think if, uh, if the people who are able to drive the bus or whatever, if they just said, I'm not going to drive the bus, you lose your effectiveness and outreach with the bus ministry. And so you have to have a service. I remember when I went to Bible college, I wanted to get involved in ministry and uh, they actually required you, in, as, when, as soon as you got into college, that you had to be involved in some ministry in the church. And I'm thankful for that. 
So I just started asking. I said, what? Where do I want to do, be in the ministry? And they were like, well, what did you do? I said, I used to drive tractor and trailer. Up, oh, we got a bus for you. They put me right in a bus seat. I've been in a bus seat ever since. Amen. And uh, I just know this, that every, every, every Saturday we'd be out four or five hours knocking on doors. Every Sunday we'd be picking the kids up early in the morning and taking them home. And I'd come out. I remember one time I came out of church in the clutch of a came apart where the uh, pin goes in and pushes from the clutch and all of that. My wife comes out and I'm in my suit. I'm laying underneath the bus and she's like, what are you doing? I said, the clutch went out. I got to fix the clutch so we get these kids home. Amen. I'll guarantee you load up a bus with 70 or 80 kids. You'll do whatever it takes to get them home. Amen. And uh, we just got to, if God has talented you, if God has gifted you, I didn't plan on being a mechanic on a bus. I didn't plan on driving a bus. I didn't. That was the farthest thing from my mind when I went to college. But if God has gifted you, when the opportunity, the operation, when it opens up, then have the energy to exercise that gift or that talent that God has given you so that you can be effective in the ministry. That shows maturity on your part and it enables others to grow and mature in the body of Christ. So when we think about this matter of maturity, we think about it being exercised. And then we see that maturity needs to be demonstrated. Over in Ephesians chapter 3, and once again, all we're doing is looking up the word church and following through the New Testament where it's mentioned at the different uh, gospels or in, in the epistles. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 10, says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so I see this, this opportunity for us to be able to gain the wisdom of God. Maturity demonstrated is coming to a greater understanding of who God is. And uh, it is listen, it's, it's more important for us Anytime we're reading or studying whatever passage it may be in the scriptures is not so much to grasp an understanding of the individuals or the events that are going on, but rather to gain the wisdom in reference to what is God doing and who is God in reference to that event or that individual that we're reading about. Because the Bible is not written about people, it's written about God. And so everything that we read and study has to bring us to a wisdom or acknowledge or an understanding of who God is. And maturity comes when we're gaining that wisdom. It's demonstrated when we do that. Notice verse 11, that there's a divine purpose. So he says in verse 10, that he might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, well, what is it? Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so the wisdom that is a maturing wisdom is a wisdom that is gaining an understanding of God's divine purpose in everything in our life. You know, God doesn't make any mistakes. There's things that come and go in our lives, and we might not, might not understand what they are about or why it's happening, but maturity that's demonstrated in our life is gaining a reality of the fact that, wait a minute, God has an eternal purpose for what he's doing. 
And you look at the world that we're living in, and you look at things going on, and you say, how in the world all this stuff is going on? There is a divine purpose. Uh, prophecy will be fulfilled. Things are going to come to pass that we're not going to be comfortable with. But the reality is God has an eternal purpose and maturity being demonstrated in the Christian life is being willing to acknowledge that and receive that and live in accordance with that. That is the real manifold wisdom of God in the church. And so divine purpose. Verse 12, he continues with this thought of the wisdom of God is great confidence. It says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. See, boldness and access comes with or by uh, confidence. And uh, we need a great confidence in our God. Uh, you show to others the wisdom that you're gaining in reference to who God is. When you have no answers for the questions that you have, you still can trust God. And you can still live in accordance with what God is doing, and you can grasp and understand and hold on to that. Uh, that uh, shows great confidence. And so uh, maturity demonstrated is a, a manifestation of the wisdom of God. Verse 13 is enduring power. He says, Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And Paul wanted them to have realize that they had the power to continue on. They were, could be discouraged because of Paul's imprisonments, because of Paul's persecutions, because of Paul's suffering. And Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want you to faint because of my tribulations. Hey, for 35 years of being in ministry, there's a lot of people I've seen fall by the wayside. I was talking to a preacher, a preacher the other day, and we were talking about that as far as preachers, preachers that we know, uh, that we respected and impacted our lives, are no longer in ministry. Uh, you know, it's an amazing thing. People who have been Christians and said they were Christians, they've been in churches, and next thing you know, they're out of church. Uh, because of some problem happens or some difficulty goes on. That's not maturity. Maturity demonstrated in the Christian life is no matter what the difficulty is or what, what is taking place, uh, we don't faint in our walk with God. We don't give up in our commitment to the Lord. Uh, we endure because of the fact that we understand the manifold wisdom of God that is being given to us. And so uh, maturity demonstrated wisdom of God. I see it in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 18. The glorify of God, to glorify God. Notice uh, in uh, verse 18, his immensity may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. In other words, God is pretty big. The immensity of God. How big is your God? <clears throat> if you're overwhelmed with the problems and difficulties you're going through in your life, your problems and your difficulties is bigger than your God. But the reality is there's nothing that is greater or larger or stronger than what our God is. And so maturity that's demonstrated is I want to bring glory to God because whatever it is I'm facing, he is greater. He is better. He is stronger. He is more magnificent. So his immensity. In verse 19, his love. And to know the love of Christ, 
which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Under the glorifying of God in the realm of knowing and experiencing the love that Christ has for us. And we can experience the fullness of God in our hearts day by day as we comprehend the depth of the love of God for us. And so we glorify God in our maturity. And then his power in verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In other words, God has a power that works in us before we can even ask what it is that we need. Before we even understand how needy we really are, God has already given us an inherent power to be able to deal with whatever it is coming in our life. And so maturity that's demonstrated in the Christian life is allowing the manifestation of the wisdom of God to be seen in us and the glory of God being experienced through us. And then we see that it is Christ as the head of the church. In Ephesians chapter 5. In uh, verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, we often read these passages, and I understand we make the application about the husband and the wife and um, uh, the home and all that, but these are instructions in reference to Christ and the church. And so Christ is the head. That means he has the preeminence in everything. He has to take number one in place in our life. That will only take place or it will only happen unless we are maturing in Christ. Because if we're not maturing in Christ, then we're not going to allow him to have the preeminence. We're not going to allow him to be number one. We'll make decisions in our life about a multitude of other things before we even consult God. And so we need to be aware of the fact that Christ is the head of the church. And if he is the head of the church, then letter D is simply this, the believer is subject to Christ. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. And so, literally, we as believers in Christ submit ourselves totally to Christ. And maturity that's being de demonstrated. In other words, you want people to see that you're growing in your faith. Grow, we're supposed to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to 2 Peter 3.18. And so uh, we want people to see that. And if people are going to see that, that means we're going to be subject to Christ, whatever he says. And it, listen, culturally, what he says uh, goes against what the culture is doing. The decision is we submit ourselves to Christ. That's a demonstration of maturity. And I like what Charles Spurgeon said. No life can surpass that of a man who quietly continues to serve God in the place where providence has placed him. And we allow all kinds of things to take place in our life to shift our surrender to the Lord to shift our desire to allow him to be the head of our life. And then we wonder why God's not being glorified in us. And we wonder why God's not being glorified in the church. And uh, so we need to be mature, maturity to be seen uh, through our response to Christ and Christ alone.
So we see maturity exercised, maturity demonstrated, and then we see maturity experienced. Continuing to go through our epistles where we see the name of the church mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Realize this, that husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Never forget that you're loved by Christ. And uh, maturity that is experienced is based upon, based upon the reality that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I, and I, no matter what happens, there's, there's never a thought process that should enter into our minds where we think that God doesn't love us. Because the reality is he loved us. He commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So before we were ever saved, he loved us. But yet we developed this mindset that if I'm not doing, 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 that God doesn't love me anywhere anymore. No, the reality is that husbands are to love their wives based on the relationship of Christ's love towards his church. And he loves us by personal sacrifice. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than a man shall lay down his life for his friends. And so the love of Christ is experienced. You remind yourself what Christ did for us on Calvary. You remind yourself what he suffered just so that you can be saved. And I'll guarantee you it'll change your whole concept of uh, thought process and you'll respond in a, a mature manner because of the fact that God loves you. And I was talking to someone, I don't know, probably several months ago. It's been a while. And uh, I was talking to him, and the, the person told me this. They said, you know what? He said, all my life, all my life is all I wanted is for somebody to love me. I told him, I said, well, I can tell you there's one person that loves you, and he's never stopped loving you. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, we don't experience a mature relationship with God because we won't acknowledge that we are personally loved by Christ. Not only is it a personal sacrifice, but it's a substitutional sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, tells us, For Christ has also hath once suffered for sins, and here it is, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And so maturity in the church that is experienced is based on the reality that Jesus Christ loved us enough that he personally died for us in our place. And he took all of our sins upon him. And because of that, we can be reconciled and brought in fellowship with God. And then it's a relational sacrifice. Uh, in 1 John 3 and 11 says, in reference to God's love for us, that if he loved us, then we ought to love one another. And uh, it says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And uh, so it's relational. Maturity that's being experienced in the church is having a willingness to acknowledge the substitutional sacrifice of Christ for us demonstrates uh, to us what real love is. 
And if he has loved us like that, then we ought to love one another. And oftentimes people say, well, I can't love so-and-so. They did me wrong. Well, you did God wrong. But God loves you. Well, I can't forgive so-and-so, but you don't understand what they did to me. I could never forgive them. Well, you ought to praise God that God forgave you when you don't deserve to be forgiven. Be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And so uh, love by Christ, maturity experience, is being bathed or saturated with the reality of the love of Christ for us. Then in chapter 5 of Ephesians in verse 27, is holy and pure in Christ. See, the mature believer in Christ not only enjoys the love of Christ, but he acknowledges the purity and holiness of Christ. In Ephesians 5, 27, says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so the whole concept, mature experience of being a believer in the church is to acknowledge the church is to be holy and is supposed to be pure. And uh, notice, first of all, there is a necessity of having a proper conduct within the church. First Timothy uh, chapter 3, and verse 5, uh, 15, I'm sorry, and verse 16 Paul says, but if I tarry, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the church of God. The, I'll just say this. The church is not a secular organization. The church is, is, is not a business. I remember years ago when I was in Dividing Creek, uh, there was some problems down there. This whole conflict between the trustee board and the deacon board, because the trustees said well, the deacon, deacons had, didn't have power and, and the right to, to make decisions about the building because the trustees were supposed to take care of the buildings and, and, and all this foolishness going back and forth. And so I finally got fed up with it and I preached. I said, I'm going to preach a message on church government. And I preached a, church, a message on per, church government. And I basically told the, the, the uh, trustees, I said, I understand that we for, to satisfy the corporation reality of our church to satisfy the government, that we have to be a corporation, a corporation has to be, have trustees. But realize this, trustees are not mentioned in the Bible. Trustees is an unscriptural board. Trustees is a board to satisfy the demands of being a corporation. So that means the trustees fall underneath the authority of the pastor and under the authority of the deacons working under the pastor. And I, I made this statement. I said, I will not pastor a church that's a secular church. It is a spiritual body. And I am afraid that we have made the church everything else other than what it's supposed to be. It's not an entertainment center. It's not a business center. It's the body of Christ. And so it's to be holy. There needs to be a proper conduct which is the church of the living God, the pillar of the ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. And so maturity that's experienced in the church 
is based upon the reality that the church has to have proper conduct. Then I see that there needs to be perseverance in prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, that's a mouthful, that verse. And so we're to persevere in our prayers. There's prayers we've offered up. We haven't gotten answers to yet. But we need to keep praying until God sends the answer. And, uh, and, and so we need to persevere in our prayer one for another. Then the possibilities of, in faith that we have within the church is that we live by faith. Uh, Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believeth. I believe that with all my heart. I believe with all my heart that everything is possible. And we need to persevere in our prayers, conduct ourselves properly so that the Lord will not uh, turn his deaf ear to us and realize this, that whatever God, door open, God, God opens, that we can go through it and believe God and trust God and he can do things that are out, outside of our realm of understanding and our ability. And so the church is to be holy. And then I see the church is to be nourished or sustained by Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 29 says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. That would be a good message to preach on right there. The nourishment and cherishing of the church by Jesus Christ. Uh, God loves his church. I'm, I'm alarmed many times. The attitude and comments that people make in uh, uh, dismay and disagreement with the church. Realize this. God loves the church. He loves this church. He loves the local church. And we better be careful what we have to say about it. So spiritual provision... And Ephesians 1.3 tells us that God will provide for us spiritually. And I'm glad that God will over and over again meet our spiritual needs. Number two there, physical provision. God always meets our needs. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, financial provision. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 13 through 15, you read how Paul is challenging the Corinthian believers in their giving by grace, reminding them that, wait a minute, God will provide for you as you give by faith, trusting in the living God. And so God can take care of our finances. And uh, listen, I have never been one that focuses on money. I just never have. I didn't care about money before I got saved. I knew I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 35. That was a joke driving truck, Amen. And, uh, and, and I went off to Bible college. I had no money, and I didn't worry about it. We just believed God. Went out and started church, no money, didn't worry about it. Just believed God. I just, I just know this, that God has showed me throughout my life as a Christian, no matter what the problem is, he can financially take care of it. And I, I, know, I know in this church, I have watched God miraculously provide when we didn't even know where the money was going to come from. God has done miraculous things. And then I see not only spiritual, physical, and financial provision, but I see recreational 
provision. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. I'm thankful I can enjoy life. Uh, I don't want to live a miserable life. I want to be happy in the Lord. I want to enjoy my life in Christ. And I'm not looking for anything else. I'm, I'm looking for Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. I like what Billy Graham said. We can be certain that God will give us the strength and resources we need to live through any situation in life that he ordains. The will of God will never take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. And so maturity in the church is experiencing the reality that God can take care of us. And I can trust him. I, I saw this little picture. I thought it went good with the message. Uh, provision ahead. You can see the storm is coming. And there's a storm coming. But God can provide for you in the storm. He can get us through. And that's what maturity is. Maturity in the church is believing that God can get us through. Believing that God can be glorified. Believing that God can provide. And uh, well, that's what re real maturity is. A young person, uh, an immature person, cannot build up that great uh, stamina to be able to face those things that are very easily knocked on their heels. Well, I hope that was a blessing. There's some verses there we didn't have time to look up. Make sure you go through and read them and study that out. And uh, maturity, let's grow in the Lord. Amen.